0: We have been in the subject of the person of the gospel.
1: Okay. The person of the gospel. And we know the person of the good news is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, there is no good news. We would have no good news without him. He himself is the good news. And we've been dealing with that for some weeks, and probably we'll deal with it some further weeks. I do have the Lord dealing with me in a subject, and we'll see how it develops. But right now we're in this study, and I believe we will be here for a little while longer. If you were with me this morning, tonight will be similar, maybe more similar than usual. A lot of times it's similar, but it may be more similar than usual. And you may just get a double dose. I'm sure some of it will be different. And, uh, and I believe it'll be for your benefit. Uh, so even if, you, if I said exactly what I said this morning, I believe it'll be for your benefit. So I believe the Lord has spoken some beneficial things into my heart to share with you. And he speaks these things in Christ. And as we look at the person of the gospel, the the thing Jesus says in John 10 that is just so powerful. And sometimes I believe that's the maybe the culmination of the whole book. I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief cometh to steal to kill, and to destroy.
0: But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. This is the issue, life. In Adam, which we're going to get into in more depth, probably later on in this tonight, in Adam all are dead. In Christ, all are living or alive. And if we look at
1: life and death as two men, not just corpses in the graveyard, but two men. You have a man of
0: death and you have a man of life. And if you're born into the man of death, you will experience death.
1: And I'm not just speaking about physical dying.
0: Because death passed upon all men through Adam's disobedience. Now life has come to us. Now
1: what with this thought, I am come that you may have life. I want you to turn over to First John. And we were in this a few weeks ago,
0: First John, chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you out of the American Standard Version.
1: First John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this cause the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Beloved, now are we children of God, and it is not yet made manifest what we shall be. We know that if he be manifested, we shall be like him. For we shall see him even as he is. And everyone that hath this hope set on him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Everyone that doeth sin doeth also lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth, have not seen him, neither knoweth him. My little children, let no man lead you astray. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous." He that doeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. To this end was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is begotten of God doeth no sin, because his seed abideth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is begotten of God. If this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. So we have... Here, the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Okay. So Christ is manifest to destroy the works of the devil.
0: The thief cometh for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you may have life. So, if we think on this with dealing with man, man's intention or the intention of God for man was life. That was God's intention from the beginning. And not just living
1: a long time, because sometimes we associate life with living a long time. That if we lived a long time, then we would have abundance of life. We may live a long time and not have abundance of life. (laughs) Because God associates
0: life with himself. Okay, We associate life with, unfortunately, ourselves. But God associates life with himself. Jesus says, I have
1: come that you might. Have life. He says in another place, and this is life eternal, that you might know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So, eternal life is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ, who is sent, or knowing the only true God through Jesus Christ, who was sent. This is how we know eternal life. The life that was with, the, with God from the beginning that
0: was manifest into the earth. This is what man is purposed for, is this life. God life. Christ life. Christ who is our life. This is our purpose, to dwell in the presence of the Lord here in the earth and to manifest out of our bodies his life. And we manifest that one to another, his life. You know, why then would Jesus roll that together if you love not your brother? So so there's something to loving your brother and life because he rolls it together. Anyway, in John's
1: gospel, he said, the son of God is manifested to destroy the works
0: of the devil. Okay. Now, I want us to look at some of this. And as we look at this, I also want us to look at this part of 1 John. Everyone who doeth sin is of the
1: lawlessness. And then he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that doeth sin is of the devil. All right. What did Adam do in the garden? Well, he was disobedient, okay?
0: But what else did he do? He did not believe God. You say, whoa, why? God said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And what did the devil say? Did God say, you shall die? And Eve saw that the tree was good to make one
1: wise. And she took of the tree and gave to her a husband and they both
0: ate and their eyes were opened To know of themselves. Good and evil. So Adam didn't obey God and evidently didn't believe God. He may have believed another voice. Sometimes we may believe another voice. But see, the voice of the Lord spoke to Adam
1: and said to him, you shall surely die. And death came through Adam's disobedience and passed upon all men. And you could call that the works of the devil, Adam's disobedience that passed that death that passed upon all men. For In Hebrews 2, the Bible says, That Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. Actually, let's read Hebrews 2 so I read it correctly. Hebrews 2, about verse 14. He said it the Bible says here, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself. Likewise, took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them through fear of death for all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, for in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make real reconciliation for the sins of the people. So Jesus took on the nature of Abraham, the seed
0: of Abraham. Didn't take on the nature, forgive me, he took on the seed of Abraham. He became a man to destroy the works of the devil,
1: which you could say is death. Death passed upon all men. That's what Paul writes in Romans. Death passed upon all men. He destroyed him that had the
0: power of death. Now, John says the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And where was he manifested at? Oh, he was manifested on Calvary. But he was manifested in Israel.
1: He was manifested in Judah. We're going to look at that in a moment. So I want that in your mind. But I want you to consider this. He that doeth sin is
0: of the devil. Okay. In John 8, Jesus said, He that believeth
1: n- not that I am he, he shall die. They shall die whereat? In
0: their sins. What work did Jesus tell them to do? What are the works of God that we shall do? Did they ask Jesus that
1: in one place? Sure, they did.
0: Or someone did.
1: And Jesus' response was to believe on him that God has sent. See, this is the work of righteousness. The work of righteousness is believing on him that God has sent. If you believe not on him that God has sent, Jesus said, you shall die in your sins. So the work of righteousness would be to believe on him that God has sent. For we are made the righteousness of God in him. We're not made the righteousness of God in the law. And I believe a lot of times our understanding of 1 John We'll go back and try to measure up according to the law. But when Jesus came on the scene, at least I believe this, I believe another law came from Zion. And that law, I believe, had to do with whoso calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That law was never enforced until Jesus was dead, buried, and raised from the dead. Up until that time, and we've talked about it here, the law that was enforced was according to the old covenant. When they sinned, what they do? They had to come to the ritualistic offerings of the old covenant. But when Jesus came, all those offerings were fulfilled. No longer were they bound up into them. They were bound up that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved
0: okay now to kind of build on this in the book of hebrews 3 he said
1: in the book of hebrews 3 i'll read this start at
0: oh verse 7 wherefore as the holy
1: spirit saith today If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, like as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by proving me and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was displeased with this generation and said, they do always err in their heart, but they did not know my ways. As I swear my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest." Take heed, brethren, lest happily there shall be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief and falling away from the living God. But exhort one another day by day, so as long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we are become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm unto to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation. So I believe a lot of the sin that John is talking about in 1 John is not believing in Jesus Christ. And I believe if you study the Gospels, you'll find that. They did not believe him or they rejected him. He came unto his own, his own received him not. Men love darkness rather than the light. Our justification is built upon believing in Jesus Christ. And see, See, I I believe the sin that misses the mark is not believing on him. And we talked about this this morning. In the King James Bible, there are a couple, two or three words used for the word sin. And some of those words mean, like we talk about sins, deeds. But one of those words means to miss the mark. And when I search my scripture in Romans 3, it says Adam came short, fell short of what? The glory of God, the mark. What do we receive in Christ? The glory of God. We don't fall short of it in him. We don't miss the mark. So we're not in sin. We're in Christ. Because his seed abides in us, and we've been born of the incorruptible seed of God. all right? because, as Peter says, first Peter,
0: flip over to first Peter for a moment twenty one through twenty three chapter one, first Peter one. twenty one. And of course, I'm going to back up to 18.
1: 18 says, knowing that you were redeemed, not with corruptible things, with silver or gold from your vain manner of life handed down from your fathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb without spot, even the blood of Christ, who was foreknown indeed before the foundation of the world, but was manifested at the end of the times for your sake who through him are believers in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls, how? In your obedience to the truth and to unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently, having been begotten again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives... And abides. So we have purified our souls through obedience to the
0: truth. So the truth came, who is Christ, and we, by the Spirit, received the truth. That's who we received the truth. We obeyed the truth. He that believeth in me shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And that's what we have is God life. Right now,
1: today, this very second, we have God life living in us. And what we're to become aware of is this life of God that dwells within us in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So let's go on. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And and we we read that on, on the cross, that he completed the work he was given to do. But I said he was manifested in Jerusalem in Judah in
0: Galilee in Matthew's gospel Matthew 8 28 it says and when he was come to the
1: other side of the country of the Gadarenes there met him two possessed with demons coming forth out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, thou Son of God? Notice what they call him, thou Son of God. The Son of God was manifested. Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now there was afar off from them a herd of many swine feeding, and the demons besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, send us away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And they came out and went into the swine, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that fed them fled and went away into the city and told everything and what was befallen to them that were possessed with demons. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus and fell down at his feet and repented. <laughs> no, no. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart from their borders. I said this this morning. I'm going to say this now. Something caught my attention while I was ministering this morning.
0: They wanted to go into a herd of swine. All right, that caught my attention. Why it caught my attention was because swine were unclean beasts to the Jews. Jesus came to his own.
1: So I'm going to believe these folks here were probably Jews. And they were keeping a herd of swine. Okay. I don't know if you, I never caught that to be truthful. I caught it while speaking. And mentioned it to the folks there this morning. So (laughs) So here he says, he tells the demons, he says, go into the herd of swine. And the swine go into the go run down the hill or the mountain, the steep, cast themselves into the sea. And their wealth was taken from them. So when they come to Jesus, they didn't praise the Lord that these two men were healed from the demon possession. In fact, they told Jesus to get out of their coast. He came to his own,
0: and his own received him not. Men love darkness rather than the light.
1: Okay. Now let's take this thought and go on down to Mark 3. Mark 3, verse 8. Bible says, and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and beyond Jordan and about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude here, and what great things he did came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a little boat should wait on him because of the crowd, lest they should throng him, for he had healed many, insomuch that as many as had plagues pressed upon him that he might that they might touch him. And the unclean spirits, whensoever they beheld him fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he charged them much that they should not
0: make him known. So he cast them out and told them to be quiet.
1: One more place here, Luke 4. And like I did this morning, you can also read Luke 8, starting about 40 and read down, but we're going to read Luke 4. And Luke four thirty one says that he came to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching on the Sabbath day, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man that had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Oh, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Nazarene? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, a Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done him no hurt. And amazement came upon all, and they spake together, one with another, saying, What is this word? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. And there went forth a rumor concerning him into every place of the region round about, and he rose up from the synagogue and entered into the house of Simon. And Simon's wife's mother was holding with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose up and ministered unto them. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Son of God. And rebuking them, he suffered them not to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Now, I want to bring a couple things to your attention in this. First, the Son of God was manifested, as John said, to destroy the works of Satan. Now, what is interesting, if you study your scripture, from Genesis to Malachi, you read about Satan, right? A little bit. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. You find Satan and the devil here and there. What you find
0: if you study the nation of Israel, they become bound by the Canaanites, the
1: Philistines, and the people of the earth
0: which you could say in type and shadow was the kingdom of darkness. So when Jesus comes in, the Jews who had, if you
1: read the history of the Jews, they've been bound many times, bound by Egypt, bound by Canaanites, bound by Philistines,
0: bound by Babylon, by Syria. And you come up here to this day and age, they were bound by Rome. So here comes Jesus
1: on the scene, and, and all the deliverance before Jesus came was a deliverance where God would usher back in the kingdom of the Jews. And they were looking for a king like David who would come in and destroy the works of the enemy. You know, David did that. He destroyed the works of the enemy and he brought many of the Jews out of captivity and type and shadow to light. And Solomon set up on his throne. What does that mean, Solomon set up on his throne? One side of that means Solomon was his son and was his heir, but Solomon set up on the work that David did. Okay. And so when you read that one's going to come from David and sit upon his throne, the work that David did was he destroyed the enemy. (laughs) From a small child with Goliath, he cut off his head. He destroyed him when nobody else could. And he brought Judah to Mount Zion. Now, who does that sound like? Jesus destroyed the enemy and brought Judah, the sons of Israel, to work To Zion. You come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. And he sets upon the throne of his glory. Okay? Upon his victory. See, that's what Solomon did. Solomon sat upon the throne of David's victories. And there was peace in the land. Now Jesus is sitting up on the throne of his victories. And there's peace in the land. But see, the Jews, when Jesus come, they weren't just looking for someone, or, or even if they were looking at all, for someone to come in and heal all their diseases and, and destroy the works of the enemy uh, who is Satan. They were looking for the Roman captivity to be open. Or to be over. That's what they were really looking for. That 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 kingdom would be restored. What Jesus said when, when Peter took his sword out and cut off the servant of the high priest here, he said, My kingdom's not of this world. So the kingdom and victory that Jesus was going to give was going to way outweigh everything that had been done before, because everything that had been done before was Paul said for our examples, for our ensamples, right? Right. But Jesus isn't for our ensamples. He's for us. (laughs) We reap the benefit of the work he has done. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I will give you rest to your soul. None of the other kings could give rest to the soul. But Jesus said, I will give rest to the soul. I will bring you into a state of rest and peace and joy and righteousness in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So he comes and manifests himself to Israel that he is, in fact, the son of God. And how he did that is he took the kingdom of Satan right in the midst of Israel, and he disheveled it. How did he do it? By his word. By the authority of the word of his power. He just said, go to the demons. And they went. He said to the fever to go, and it was gone. He cried with a loud voice to Lazarus to come forth, and he came forth. He came with a word of the authority of God. The kingdom of God touched earth, touched humanity, was brought into the region of death. Okay? Yes, it was. Now I have to, (laughs) I could go on and on, and I'm going to go a little bit further tonight, but I'll have to pick this up, Lord willing, Tuesday night, because we're going to have to go down this line a little bit, but we're going to build. So here we come to the Son of God being manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Now I want to show you a couple things. I want us to see a couple of things in At his crucifixion in Matthew 27, verse 45, it says, Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lamb of Sabathanite. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood there when they heard it said, this man calls Elijah. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, let it be. Let us see whether Elijah comes to save him. And Jesus cried again with a loud voice. Now notice here, Matthew doesn't tell you what he cried and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks were rent, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints that were falling asleep were raised. And coming forth out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared unto many. Now the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that were done feared exceedingly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. So the centurion gave witness, this was the son of God. All right, now let's flip over to Luke. I'm going to quote you Luke in John 19. You can flip over John 19, 34, but I'm going to quote you a couple things things out, out of Luke and then John 19, and then we're going to come to 34. In Luke 23, what Jesus cried with a loud voice was, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now, Jesus said, I have the power to lay my life down, and I have the power to take it up again. So he gave up his spirit. The soldiers never took his life. When they came to him, he was already dead. (laughs) Because he had the power to lay it down. And he had the power to take it again. He said, Father, into thy hands commend I. My spirit. The other thing he cried in John 19, it is finished. He had finished the work that God had given him to do. So Matthew tells us he cried with a loud voice. Luke and John tells us, I believe what he cried. Into thy hands commend I my spirit. It is finished. And he bowed his
0: head and gave up. The ghost. Okay. Now, when I come on down to verse 34 of John,
1: he says, Howbeit, one of the soldiers with the spear pierced his side, and straightway there came out blood and water. Now there's a possibility this soldier was the same centurion, or was of the centurion's soldiers, that it's mentioned here in Matthew 27 that we were just reading, that gave a witness that he was the Son of God. So this soldier pierced his side, and straightway there came out blood and water, and he that have seen have borne witness and his witness is true, and he knoweth that he saith is true, that you may also believe. For these things came to pass, that scripture might be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture says, if they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Now, what came out of his side was blood and water. Ezekiel prophesied, we sh- you shall be washed with pure water. In Hebrews, it tells us our conscience is washed with pure water. And Jesus says, you will not be clean unless I wash you. So we're washed with the blood and water of Jesus Christ. In other words, we have to come and partake of him to be clean,
0: period. There's no other cleansing for sin but the blood and water of Jesus
1: Christ. Now, flip over to 1 John 5. 1 John 5 says in verse 6, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three who bear witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For the witness of God is this, that he have borne witness concerning his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in him. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because, why? He hath not believed in the witness that God hath borne concerning his Son. And the witness is this, that God gave unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath
0: not the Son hath not life. So the witness of men. John speaks of the witness of men. And he says that there is
1: a witness of man. If we receive the witness of man, the witness of God is greater. Now the witness of man, I, I could say is a couple of things here, but you could go back to the centurion who pierced him or the soldier that pierced his side and the centurion that behold the death of Christ, the earthquakes. And all that occurred there, and saying, This truly is the Son of God. That's a witness of man. Now, if you believe the witness of man, John says, the witness of God is greater. Because the witness of God is the spirit that we have received, the spirit of Christ that we have received in our hearts that testifies of the death, burial, And resurrection of Jesus Christ. And John is pretty bold with this. He says, if you don't believe this, you have made God a liar. For this is the witness that God has given of his son. And he that
0: has the son has life. Not going to get life. Has life. Right now, he that hath not the Son has not life right now.
1: well, we, We could go on and on with this. I do want to read one more thing. I want to point you to Colossians 2. I won't read that for time's sake. But in Colossians 2, you know, it talks about him destroying principalities and powers. Not something future to be done. It talks about he hath destroyed. See, he came in to Jerusalem, and he manifested himself and disrobed powers and enemies right in their midst. And at the cross, he took the power of the
0: devil to death. He died to the death that Adam was in. Never died
1: in the death that Adam was in, but died to the death that Adam was in, that we would live in the life that he is. Now, flip over 1 Corinthians 15. I'm just going to throw this out at you, and we'll probably pick it up here in uh, maybe the next meeting or the next couple meetings. We've mentioned it before, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. I'm going to read part of this and, and, and uh, speak to you a moment and stop. But now has Christ been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. And they that are Christ that is
0: coming. Well, Well, wait a minute, Wayne. John said I'm alive. What does this mean? Well, if I begin to explore this, those who are Christ
1: at his coming, the word coming here is a Greek word parousia,
0: and it means presence. Okay. When his presence is made manifest, you could possibly say. In his presence. So
1: Christ rises from the dead. When he rose from the dead, I said this on another broadcast.
0: He rose alone. He's the first fruits of the dead. He comes out of the tomb. But when he comes into us, we, according to Paul's writing, are quickened with him, raised with him. Seated with him in heavenly places. It's Ephesians 2. So we are raised at his coming,
1: in his presence. Then comes the end. Okay. Now we preach that as someday the end comes. Okay. What
0: what this word end can mean is goal, purpose, purpose. Aim. We could say, then comes the end of Satan's
1: dominion over us because we're no longer under the dominion of Satan. When he comes into the heart, I'm no longer under Satan's kingdom. I'm now in the kingdom of God. Right? I've now been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now I'm in the aim, the purpose, the will of God. I've moved out of the will of Adam into the will of God. I've moved out of death into life. Then comes in at his presence, comes the end. Comes the end of that old thing and comes to us the purpose of God in Christ. The aim, the purpose of God in Christ. And he goes on to say here, when he hands over the kingdom to God the God and Father, to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. If I read the book of Colossians, it tells me in the book of Colossians, he hath abolished all rule, authority, and power. Not he's going to. He says he has in the book of Colossians. But now his coming to me is he brings me into it. Now I become aware of it by his coming. Till so he comes in me. I'm not aware that he's abolished anything. I look at the world and I look and I say, oh, look at the chaos of the world. But Paul or the writer of Hebrews says something that's very powerful. But we see what? Jesus. <laughs> Made lower than the
0: angels. Hallelujah. We see Jesus. who has abolished all things and brought life and immortality to light?
1: And he ascended back unto the Father, that the Son would be subject to the Father. What does that mean? If If I read Isaiah, Isaiah says of the Son that of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then how is the Son going to be subject to the Father? I'm just going to throw this at you, and you can agree with me or disagree. It's all right. When Jesus ascended back, he went back to the Father. He went back to the omnipresent God that he was from the beginning. That all the work of the Son is now subject to the Spirit, and all the work of the Son is manifest in our heart by the Spirit of God. That is how we know the work of God is by the Spirit of God, revealing Christ in our heart. That's where it's made evident to us that it is finished, and He has put down all rule, authority, and power. And now we can declare that in the earth, glory to the Lamb of God. Yila moshiqada bahaya. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He has brought us to the goal. He has brought us to the purpose in Himself. He come in the volume of the book. It was written of him to take away the first and establish the second. And he established this new man, this new covenant in us by his divine spirit, by the omnipresent presence of God, that is Christ Jesus, the Lord himself himself. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. That's how, he, that's how the whole world knows him. They don't know him as the one man from Galilee. He was that. He did everything this book says. And John told you if he didn't, you know, if people aren't confessing that, they're making God a liar. So I believe he did exactly what this book says. I believe the Bible. I absolutely believe the word of God. And I believe it very, very strongly. But I look for the spirit of God to reveal it in the person of Jesus Christ. Because I believe the whole scripture is revealed in the person of Christ himself. Everything. The volume of the book. And we are released unto God. It's made evident. It's declared in us by the Spirit of God. When he saith,
0: where does he say it at? In you. How does he say it? In the revelation
1: of Jesus Christ. He's brought death to death. And he's brought immortality and life to light. Yes, that we might live in it. Well, I'll leave that alone. And maybe in the coming weeks, we'll next meeting or two, we'll break this down in greater detail. As the Lord allows. So I can't break it down unless the Lord allows. I'll make a mess of it to be truthful. But if the Lord allows, We'll break it down, and we'll eat it. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We will eat what the Lord sets forth before us. Glory to his holy name. I've been long with you tonight. I'll stop here, and I'll start with Brother Wayno.